Hello and welcome to the Thinking Christian Podcast. This is your host, Dane Kramer, and I want to welcome you to today's podcast. Thanks for joining us here. If you'd like to know more about me or this podcast, just go to The Thinking Christian. That's all one word, thethinkingchristian.us. That will take you to my website. There you'll find all previously released podcasts. You'll find out, uh, you'll find articles that I've written on other topics. You will find uh, information about me, information about this podcast. Pretty much everything is uh, on that website. Feel free to take a look. And you can also subscribe to updates from the website. You just go to the homepage. There on the left side, you should see uh, two fields. One is for your name. The other is for your email address. Put in subscribe, and you should get email alerts whenever a new page is updated or a new page is added to the uh, website or a post is made or a podcast. Uh, As always, you can go to uh, Apple iTunes. You can go to uh, Google Play, Stitcher, Android, and subscribe to this podcast from there so that when uh, new podcasts are released, you'll get the automatic download to your device or something like that. So feel free to do that. Okay, we got the commercials out of the way. Let's jump into today's topic. I think it's an interesting question. It was posed to me a few weeks ago via email, and that is, can a Christian be baptized twice? Can a Christian be baptized twice? Now, I think um, offhand, I think most people would say no, and I don't disagree with that answer. I think uh, without really exploring the question too much more, if you just take it at face value, I'd say no. Uh, Of course, Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6 says, There is one body and one spirit, just as we are called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. Now, that seems to suggest, and, and I'm not sure exa- if this is exactly what Paul has in mind when he wrote Ephesians, that uh, a person can't be baptized more when he says that we have one baptism. I think in probably what he's thinking of in terms of we don't have a baptism for this and a baptism for that and a baptism for, you know, like a washing, a Jewish washing for this and that. We just have one baptism. Um, but that verse might be called into service if we were to ask or wonder whether or not a person can be baptized or should be baptized again. But I think the question has to be nuanced a little bit um, and really kind of has to have to explore the reasons why a Christian is asking the question to see what their thinking process is. Now, I've, I've been asked the question a number of times in the past, and, um, and I, usually what it, it involves a question-answer session where I ask a few more questions to get some more information. Typically speaking, when someone asks this question, I'm finding out it is one of two major things going on. One, uh, the person uh, was baptized a good while ago or in the past, has backslidden. In other words, they've, they've walked away from the faith or they've uh, you know, just fallen into sin, and now they're trying to recommit their life to the Lord, and they're wondering – can I get baptized again? You know, I want to. I want to seal this commitment. I want to walk forward with the Lord, and I want to be rebaptized, so to speak. Uh, the other uh, thought uh, that's behind the question is also generally a person says, "Well, I was baptized in, as an infant. Uh, my parents took me to the church." And I was baptized against my will. In other words, I didn't have any say in the matter. They just baptized me, and now, uh, since I had no, I have no memory of that experience. And now that I'm walking with the Lord, I would like to get baptized. So would it be proper to get baptized again? Um, 
Now, there could be some other questions asked. Um, I'll get to those in a minute. But those are the two ones that I have received on the most frequent basis, uh, one of those two things, either backslidden or, or baptized as an infant. So what I want to do is um, walk you through my thought process here. All I'm giving you is my opinion. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, that's all you're getting is my opinion. And, and I could be wrong. Um, so you're certainly... Uh, free to weigh in. And if you have a different opinion, please register. So, I mean, on the podcast page on my website, just tell me what your thoughts are. If, if I've answered it wrongly, maybe you can correct me. We both would be edified by that. But uh, there is no passage of scripture that I know of that we could lean on um, that would clearly state that a, a Christian should not be baptized more than once, uh, other than the Ephesians 4 uh, verses 4 through 6 passage. But there is another passage of Scripture which I find interesting, and I think that sheds some light on this topic. That is found in Acts chapter 19, uh, the first about six verses or so. In Acts chapter 19, um, Paul is uh, on a missionary journey, and Luke, of course, is writing about Paul. He arrives in the city or the, the region of Ephesus. Paul does. And as he arrives there, he encounters a number of believers. I think they're numbered at 12, 12 believers. And I assume that the word believer means that they are followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, they're, they're believers of the Christian faith. That's how I understand that. Um, now, he gets there. Well, actually, they're described as disciples. So, And I suppose there could be some wiggle room there. Maybe they're disciples of John the Baptist and not disciples of Jesus. But that's the way I take it. And the reason why I take that is because Paul asks them a question, um, and the question that he asks them is extremely interesting. It's found in verse 2 of Acts chapter 19, and he asks them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So I, I think that infers that Paul understands that they are believers, believers in Jesus Christ. And so he asks them, well, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Now, what I find very interesting about that question, and this is not really on baptism, but I mean, yeah, maybe it is, maybe it is, but... Um, Paul apparently sees something in the this small group of believers' lives that causes him to ask this question. Or maybe he doesn't see something in this uh, small group of believers' lives. Maybe there's a lack. Maybe there's something missing. I don't know what the case is, but evidently Paul sees something. And so much so that he has, asked the, he has to ask the question, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And I kind of... I've kind of seen Paul kind of scratching his head, you know, talking to these people. He finds out they're believers. He's looking at them, and he's saying, hey, did you guys get the Holy Spirit when you believed? You know, there's something missing. There's something wrong here. There's something wrong with this picture. And so he asks them, you know, did you get the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And their response is, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. Now, at that point, Paul puts the brakes on in verse 3, and he said, well, 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 wait a second. Now, of course, I'm paraphrasing. He doesn't actually say that, but that's the sense I get as I read verse 3. Because Paul asks, then what, in, then what baptism did you receive? If you didn't receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, and Paul apparently does not question their belief, he's wondering, well, then into what were you baptized? Um, and their response in verse 4 is, well, into John's baptism. Now, John is not the Apostle John here, but is John the Baptist. Uh, John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus who came on the scene, uh, made quite a splash in, um, in Jerusalem and the surrounding area, and among um, not just the religious leaders, but the, the common folk of the day. And he baptized many people. So many people did he baptize that he actually was called John the Baptizer, John the Baptist, as we often call him. 
So when Paul asks, well, did you, or into what were you baptized? They say, well, into John's baptism. And, and um, you know, that's, that's who they were baptized into. Uh, John had baptized many people. Now, first of all, well, okay, let me go on. Verse 4, Paul, or yeah, Paul says in verse 4, well, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. Um, and, and then he said, you know, well, he doesn't really say anything, but, but I, I think the idea in Paul's mind is that was John's baptism. But Christian baptism is different than that. Because as, when this, when this happens, it says in verse 5 that they were baptized into the Lord Jesus or in the name of the Lord Jesus. So Paul put his hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit, which is what Paul saw was missing. Now, what I find interesting about this passage of Scripture is that um, they were baptized into John's baptism, but Paul saw that as different. He didn't see that as Christian baptism. He didn't see that as what you and I might call New Testament baptism. It was uh, John the Baptist's baptism, and it wasn't sufficient. In other words, Paul wasn't going to just let that ride. He needed to get them properly baptized. Now, from that little story, I, I think we can draw a couple of conclusions, and that is when someone is has been baptized into something which might not be considered Christian baptism, then I think it would be appropriate to baptize them. Although, in that case, I wouldn't call it rebaptism. If they haven't been baptized into Christian baptism, then, of course, we, we wouldn't be doing it again. We'd be doing it in the first place. Now, this I could see happening, and I mentioned earlier that I had some other, um, had some other, uh, uh, scenarios in mind which could fit this question. And one of those might be perhaps someone was baptized, um, in a cult, or perhaps they were baptized in a, sect that is not recognized by Christianity. For example, if they were baptized in the Mormon church or baptized in, in the Jehovah Witness church. I don't, I don't know if Jehovah Witness is baptized or not. I'm not sure about that. But anyway, I know Mormons do. But um, let's say they were baptized in some sort of sect that whose theology is just so far gone that we might not even consider them Christian, then I think it would be appropriate and proper and recommended to baptize them, although it wouldn't be baptism again, it would be uh, to really baptize them for the first time. I, I think this also would apply, and this is my opinion. Of course, there are probably a number of people listening to me who uh, would disagree very much, very strongly with what I'm about to say. But I think in the case of infant baptism, where a person was baptized as a baby, uh, their mother, their father, or both of them, or some other adult, brought them to the church for baptism. And as, a, as an infant, they were baptized. Now, I personally do not see infant baptism as a proper method, or I don't see infants as um, proper candidates. So that's probably the best way to put it. I don't see infants as the proper candidates for baptism. I believe in, and I think the New Testament would support, believer baptism. A person who confesses, who um, willfully uh, decides to follow Jesus, uh, is then the proper candidate to be baptized. N- not a child who um, has not done anything wrong or right. I mean, they, they have no conscience of that. Um, Jesus even said, of, the, of such is the kingdom of God. They're already in the kingdom of God, it seems to suggest. Um, so why baptize them? But um, in, in any event, I, I think a person who was baptized as an infant or as a small child and has no recollection of the event and has since decided to follow Jesus. You know, they're, they're following him. They're a disciple of Jesus. 
and they wonder, well, now should I get baptized again? You know, they were baptized once as an infant, but now they're wondering if they should. And I, I would lean towards yes, um, because of Acts chapter 19, because I don't know if that first baptism was really the baptism that the New Testament would teach and support. So in that case, if you've been baptized as an infant and you have started to follow Jesus, I would highly recommend you get baptized um, so that you might remember the experience and know the experience. So so in those cases um, of maybe a person baptized outside of the church or baptized as an infant, I think the Acts 19 passage would fit, uh, that uh, it would be appropriate, as Paul baptized these believers, he'd be, I would think it would be appropriate to baptize those people, those candidates then. But what about the case of a person who has backslidden? Let's say they were baptized as an adult, they were baptized as a person who, you know, made a conscious effort to follow Jesus, a conscious decision to follow him, but has since fallen into sin or maybe left the church or maybe left the faith even. And, and then now they've returned to the faith uh, or they've, uh, they want to um, strengthen their resolve to follow Jesus. Should they be baptized again? This doesn't fit into the Acts 19 scenario as I see it. As I understand it, I think um, it's a little bit different. You know, I will say this, that the church, uh, the ancient church, struggled um, very, very significantly with this dilemma. Back in around 250 AD, uh, a great persecution arose against the early church. And um, so great was this persecution that Christians were rounded up. They were... um, they were required to, I think, maybe burn incense to the um, to the Caesar, you know, to the emperor at the time in Rome. I, I don't know if it was burning incense, but somehow they had to make some sort of or do something um, to honor the Caesar as God. And of course, Christians can't do that. Christians can't honor anyone but God as God. And so many Christians uh, were persecuted. Um, they they suffered uh, violently as a result of this wave of persecution. Uh, but a, a good many of them held fast. Uh, they didn't give in. Some of them were persecuted to death. They didn't survive uh, the uh, the violence. Uh, others were persecuted short of death and were let go. Um, now, these who, who lived but didn't give in were called confessors. Um, they did not um, stop in their confession of Jesus Christ as God. However, there were a number of Christians who were persecuted, who, um, under the pains of torture, renounced their faith. Uh, They burned incense to the Caesar or whatever they were required to do. And they were let go. Of course, the torture stopped. That's a good way to get and bring the torture to an end was to um, apostate, you know, to, to turn from the faith. Uh, some Christians actually got out of the torture by uh, falsifying documents that they were able to provide, which indicated that they had already burned incense and that they were let go. And, and so they sort of lied about that. And as a result, they were able to uh, forego the uh, the persecution, the torture. Uh, now, after the the persecution wave ended, uh, the church really began to struggle with what do we do with these people? And and they called them the laps, the lapsed, or or the lapsed, um, the lapses, um, the the this mass of people. Uh, they were the lapsed, those who whose faith lapsed during the face of persecution. 
And the question was, what do we do with them? Because um, many of them came back to the church, sort of hat in hand, tail between their legs, legs, and wanted back in. They were they were sorry for their sins. They were sorry for what they had done. Um, many in the church were very much opposed to them, um, but I think the Holy Spirit uh, reigned in the hearts and minds of those who were leaders in the church because they were eventually allowed back in. Um, Different churches have different policies concerning that. But um, I think one of the reasoning is is that uh, Peter, the uh, you know one of the chief among the disciples, of course, he would have fit into that lapsed group at one time. You might recall that on the night that Jesus was arrested in the garden, well, actually just prior to that, Jesus, uh, or just prior to Jesus' arrest, Peter even said, hey, even if the rest of these leave you, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And so he, um, you know, he said, I'll, I'll be with you. Well, a, a few short hours later, when Jesus was arrested, Peter takes off. And then as he sort of sneaks down to the hall in which Jesus was being held, he's confronted three different times by different people who recognized him as a, a follower of Jesus. These people apparently knew that Jesus had been under arrest and they were alarmed to see one of his disciples prowling around, and they said, hey, you were, you were with him. You, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And Peter, fearing arrest, fearing persecution, denied that he knew Jesus. As a matter of fact, the last time that he denied, we're told that he swore, he took an oath, he vowed. It's like raising his right hand and saying, I swear by God that I don't know Jesus, which is um, quite a lapse, is it not? Uh, to, to, to vow, to, to, to take an oath, a uh, denying knowledge of Jesus. Um, Peter was very sorrowful for what he had done, and uh, he was eventually confronted by Jesus. Uh, you, you read about that in John chapter 21, which I believe deals with that confrontation after the resurrection. But as a result, Peter was not only restored as a disciple, but he became restored uh, as a leader of the church. Jesus said, feed my lambs. He, he wanted Peter in the position of feeding others, of leading the flock. Um, we don't know, of course, if Peter was baptized again um, uh, or when actually any of the disciples were baptized. We don't know anything about that. But I think the moment that Jesus restored him, he was restored. And so uh, as a result of that, Peter was welcomed back into the assembly, welcomed back because God had forgiven him. And I think that same type of forgiveness would be offered to anyone who repents. Let's say they began a life of following Jesus. They were baptized. They walked with him for whether it was a short while or a long while, but eventually left the faith. And, but later decided to come back to the faith. Now, I think in that instance, in those cases, that we would not need to baptize them again, nor should we baptize them again. I believe that they should confess their sins um, and confess before both men and God what they had done in leaving the church and also um, strengthen their resolve to walk with Jesus and we as the church to support them. But I don't see any place in the New Testament which would provide for their being rebaptized. But those are my thoughts. And yours may differ. Well, with that, I'm going to end this podcast. Once again, I want to thank you for joining me today. And I hope to see you the next time on the Thinking Christian Podcast. <music>